Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Talk Recorded live. Hi, everybody. It's Bill Windsor. It's June 2nd, 2016. It's about four minutes before 7 o'clock Central Time when we're to start the show. But I wanted to come on a couple of minutes early in order to make sure everything is working since it's been a few months since I've done this. Uh, and also to make the kind of general announcements that we make uh, that I make at the start of the show. Uh, first, disclaimer, I'm not an attorney. I don't give legal advice. Nobody on the show will be an attorney unless they identify themselves as one. And uh, they won't be given legal advice because that would be illegal for them. But certainly for anyone who isn't an attorney, we can't give legal advice. This program was set up several years ago uh, simply to provide a way for people to share their legal experiences, their stories, ask questions, attempt to help others. And it's um, the participants are generally, uh, probably 95%, uh, people who are victims, people who have been victimized by the corruption that we have in our courts and our government with law enforcement, sometimes with uh, uh, corporate America. There's various forms of corruption, but we're primarily government, judicial, and law enforcement corruption. And if you take the main thing that I have talked about and and, uh, written about, it's judicial corruption. Um, If you were not invited to participate in the show, you cannot participate. If you are a member or a supporter or have ever posted on joeyisalittlekid.blogspot.com, please go away. You're a scumbag. If you are similarly a member or supporter of the American Mothers Political Party or WTP FPR, you may not listen or participate just as Joey is a little kid scum can. Uh, These are people who have threatened my life, attempted to murder me, uh, cyber stalked me mercilessly. Uh, I have lawsuits pending against all of these people. I do everything in my power to try to get them uh, arrested, but lately I haven't been able to press charges because people didn't know where I am, and I'm I'm hiding from the folks who would try to put me in prison for the rest of my life on trumped up charges based on the Joey's little kid and American Mother's political party uh, efforts. Uh, any participation by people who aren't invited will be considered cyberstalking. Uh, I'll try to get somebody else other than me to report those people to the authorities. Uh, there is a new owner for TalkShoes, so we have some new capabilities that we didn't have uh, previously uh, relative to tracking people and the like, so that's very exciting. Uh, if you're literally a guest, you're blocked. That means you can't, I don't think, do hardly anything. I'm not sure if a guest can type something in the little chat window or not. Uh, Somebody can try it and see, but I believe we probably have you blocked from that because that's been necessitated uh, by these these cyber stalkers. Now, to participate fully in the show, you simply register with TalkShoe.com. And 
it's important for you to get a pen because once you get a pen and put that in rather than star one or whatever they tell you when you call in as a guest, you show up on a screen on my uh, uh, dashboard here that uh, tells me you're out there. And if you press star eight and raise your hand, it means you want to talk and it lights up a little green light here and I can then pick and choose and I try to do it in chronological order who to invite to participate in the call. So uh, if you're logged in as a guest and want to participate, you may want to uh, back out, um, close out, uh, go register, and then come back in. Uh, we will be on until 9 o'clock Central. That would be 10 o'clock Eastern. You know, just figure what the numbers are depending on what time zone you're in. I understand that we're five hours different from Hawaii, so it's 2 o'clock in Hawaii, and I know we have at least one or two Hawaii people uh, uh, who have been participating. Uh, generally, it shows up if you don't have a, didn't choose a special name, it tells me what state you're from. So I know that we have people from South Dakota, Rhode Island, Georgia on the, on the call so far. Uh, there have been a bunch of questions submitted. I asked people to submit questions uh, in advance so that, uh, but you don't have to, so that it would give me some things to start with. Uh, and because the last time I held this show, all the hundreds and hundreds of people who had emailed me wanting help, hardly any of them showed up for the call. Uh, all the calls are recorded, so if you at least get your questions to me in writing, we can cover them on the show, and then you can go back and listen to the tape recording at your, uh, at your leisure and hear it. And we do have 112 or 113 episodes uh, are all available uh, for you to go back and listen to. So somebody do that and let me know when you're finished. Uh, so there are a bunch of questions. I'm going to start off with those. Uh, usually I start off by um, giving people a very, you know, more than a brief rundown on what the latest is with me. So I'll take a second, you know, a second to do that, but there are questions that tend to um, cover those topics that we'll be covering as I, as I go through those. Um, all right, we got people from California who've now joined. More people from Rhode Island. We've probably got some uh, Mink Squad members in there. So anyway, I hope people will keep calling in. And I do see some of the guests are logging out, so hopefully that means some of them will get registered and come back in. Or if they're Joey's little kid people, then they can go off and play with their, their dolls. Um, all right, me. Uh, there are several questions. Uh, uh, are you a... Uh, Fugitive from justice. No, I'm not. Uh, I'm not a fugitive from justice. Uh, have I ever threatened to kill anyone? No, I haven't. But that apparently was reported to the police by one of these lying cyber stalkers uh, to try to get me for threatening to kill somebody. Um, I guess it's against the law to say that you to threaten to kill somebody. Uh, I don't know if it's against the law to think that you would love to have somebody be dead. I won't say that I've ever thought that, but there sure are some people who I hate, loathe, and despise who have uh, uh, cyber-stalked and harassed and threatened to kill me and attempted to murder me. So you can't help but not have a kind feeling toward those folks. Um, I was found guilty by a jury in Missoula, Montana, of sending an email to an attorney 
with a required court filing and for not giving my website for the TV show that I went to Montana to film uh, to the guy who attempted to murder me. Um, there's no, it was a complete, total kangaroo court. Uh, I mean, I wasn't denied, I wasn't allowed to do, get evidence, get discovery, get any subpoenas, present any of my evidence. I mean, you name it, whatever it was, I wasn't allowed to do it. There was no legal basis for the whole thing in the first place. So I was found guilty. I had been incarcerated for 134 days on completely bogus charges that I managed to prove were bogus in the uh, uh, prior to the trial. And all of this was stuff that was orchestrated with these uh, with these Joey's little kid people who were headquartered out of Ellis County, Texas. Uh, so I am a convicted misdemeanor person, not a felony. Two misdemeanors. Um, and uh, that has, needless to say, been appealed. And just today, I did something that I've never done before. I agreed to let an attorney represent me in this matter. And uh, it's, um, uh, it's a court-appointed appellate attorney. And the reason I did it was I felt the, the judges of the Supreme Court of Montana hate, loathe, and despise me and, and have just denied every valid motion that I've ever filed. So I figured maybe there's a little less chance they will just uh, slam dunk everything against me if they've got an attorney who they are experienced with, uh, with dealing with. Now, of course, the people who, person who will be appointed as my attorney gets paid by the same people as the Supreme Court judges. So that would be a general reason why I wouldn't do something like that. But I figured I don't have much you know, I've lost every other way. Might as well give this a shot and see what the heck happens. Um, there's no way in the world, based on the law, uh, that this thing shouldn't be overturned. And there were about six or seven wonderful people who came and were observers at the trial. And, you know, they'll tell you the same thing. It was it was really quite a show. I did enjoy at least representing myself there and getting a chance to say some of the stuff they wanted to say about the corrupt people that I was dealing with, but certainly it's all put in writing. So I was also indicted. I was indicted for felony bond jumping in Ellis County, Texas, completely and totally bogus, various and sundry uh, uh, cases of false documents being used. I didn't jump any bond, and, and uh, the court transcripts and everything else proved that. But there's an indictment. Uh, it, the case, quote unquote, was uh, uh, canceled, but as I understand it, the indictment is still out there. So there very well might be a um, um, uh, might be a warrant out for my arrest in Texas. I've never been arrested in Texas on a Texas charge and and fled, so I'm not a I'm not a, a fugitive. Um, but I'm concerned about that, and they keep trying to get me to come to Texas. There's no question about it. Uh, the judge is refusing to deal with motions in the civil case down there, um, trying to force me to come to Texas. And there, there's no question in my mind they're going to just slap some handcuffs on me and put me in, in jail and then try to send me to prison for 20 years, and that'll be the last you hear of me. So I'm not too uh, excited about going down there. 
So I'm pursuing a lot of things. I'm doing my very best to try to see if I can't get some federal authorities, you know, involved to help. So uh, I don't stay in one place for very long, and I use uh, hidemyass.com, I think it's called, to block the uh, IP address whenever I'm on the Internet, and uh, I just don't tell people where I am. So that's generally kind of, you know, my story. So we have uh, S. Benner starting to put a few questions in here. So let me go to the questions, and let me say that tonight the purpose of the show is to answer questions for people who need help. It, a lot of times, usually on these shows, people get on and they, they drone on for a half hour or more telling their story. We're not here tonight to hear anybody's story. If you can tell your story in 60 seconds or less and tie it in with a question, then, you know, go for it. But beyond that, we can't listen to everything that happened between you and, uh, and your ex. Um, we want to try to, to help people. I literally sent out, I think it, you know, the last count was about 450 follow-up emails to people who in the last two or three months sent me emails asking for help. Um, and I prob I'm sure I average at least that many and used to a, a lot more. So I want to try to answer those people's questions. They were all invited to come on and, and ask their questions. And judging from the list I see of our participants so far, it, just like last time, we have hardly any of them on here. But we'll do our best. So um, let me, I'm going to go with the questions that were initially presented in order just so that I kind of have some system. And then I'll take it from the top with questions that are being posted uh, in here. And again, if you want to speak, you press star eight and raise your hand. But I would ask you to do this if the question is something that you can add, add to, or if you just simply want to pose a question on your own, press star eight. But don't press it uh, just to speak unless we can get you in at the time that, uh, that makes some sense. All right, the first question that was asked is, should we contact Donald Trump for help? My answer to that is yes. Uh, I believe that Donald Trump should be interested in the huge number of people who have been victims of government, judicial, and law enforcement corruption, regardless of what party they may or may not be in. So I think if we have anybody out there who has, has contacts that could get a letter to some of his people. Otherwise, we can just try sending something, you know, and hoping for the best. But I think that he would be the only chance. I mean, obviously, Hillary's not going to do anything. Uh, he would be the best opportunity we might have for somebody who could jump on this and make an issue out of it. I mean, huge number of, if, if he was going crazy about doing something about judicial government and law enforcement corruption, which you would think he would be into, I think there'd be an awful lot of people who would vote for it, and uh, just for that reason. So I think it's worth a shot. Um, we've tried a lot of things to try to figure out how we can deal with all this stuff, and there just isn't uh, there isn't much that's going to work because we have so many corrupt people. So here we're placed with an opportunity. Now, that same person will probably say, "Don't you say that you're nonpartisan?" And the answer to that is yes. I try to be nonpartisan. Uh, this is just practical uh, trying to fight corruption. Uh, Hillary isn't going to do it. And if she told us she was, we couldn't believe her. But Donald Trump is a, uh, a maverick, 
and I think that there's a chance that he might do something. So I think it's worth attempting to attempting to contact him. I will continue to do my best to be nonpartisan, but I did have a bumper sticker that said anyone but Hillary, and I still feel that way. So I guess that doesn't make me very nonpartisan. Uh, I mean, I'd go for Bernie Sanders, but not Hillary. Uh, great question. What progress have you made toward minimizing legal slash government corruption? Not very much. And I think it's a good, great question because we haven't accomplished very much. Um, we've accomplished some things. I mean, for example, every member of the House and Senate had hand carried to them uh, a cover letter from me testimony of the people that were filmed all across the country about their experiences with government, judicial and law enforcement corruption, and about a 25-page document with proposed legislation at the state and local level. So they know who lawless America is, and they certainly know that this is an issue, and not one single person responded to all of that work and that package and all of that effort. And I think that just tells you what if you don't know is the corruption in our government, our judiciary, and our law enforcement is is completely off the map. There's, uh, it, it's everywhere. I don't know if there's more than a handful of honest judges anywhere in America. I have invited them to to uh, be interviewed if they were, and only one took me up on that. And hopefully, many of you have seen her video at uh, youtube.com forward slash lawless America. Uh, but a retired federal judge said, and I quote, if anyone in America thinks when they walk into one of our courtrooms that they're going to find justice, they're sorely mistaken, unquote, give or take a word or two in different directions. Um, I think that lawless America and my efforts and your efforts have certainly created much greater awareness of this problem than existed before this started. But when I look at YouTube and see that we've only had a half a million views on as many as 2,000 videos over a period of several years, it's pathetic. Um, we've had a few uh, you know, victories for individual people uh, that I was either able to participate in or just simply heard about. In some cases, it was just because we posted a video. But uh, a pathetic number. Uh, so there's, I don't know what the solution is. I said way back in the beginning, I think that what we need to do is get everybody together who feels that they're a victim or thinks that they're an activist or are an activist. And if we pool our resources, then we've got a chance to do something. But if everybody keeps going off doing their own thing, there's there's really no chance. I mean, we're talking about the biggest system you could possibly fight with these people willing to do everything imaginable illegal. I mean, just with something I filed tonight, this indictment that was brought against me in uh, in Texas, I got a copy of it through the court in Montana about uh, a year ago. And today I got a copy from the court clerk after requesting one for a year. And it's it's different, two different versions of the document. Now they're file stamped so that the file stamp is identical. You can hold the two pieces of paper up to the light there. It's absolutely the same document, but one of them has different information. Uh, and yes, I am one genie, I will. Um, 
Then in the case of the alleged bond that I jumped, there's two different versions. There's the copy that the judge hands me in the courtroom, and then there's a different copy that the state filed when they claimed I did bond jumping. And the people who filed it for the state were in the courtroom. So, you know, another question further down, somebody said, you know, uh, do, do they falsify court records and things like that? You bet they do. They falsify court transcripts. They falsify documents. And the only way to, you know, the chances of you getting anybody to do anything about it are slim and none, just being honest. But the thing that you need to do and the thing that I do is I regularly print the dockets in my cases. I print them off. I scan them. I've got them in the computer. I always get copies of documents. I scan and put those into, and then I look very carefully at things when they show up with uh, in other people's filings or in court, the, the government's filings or whatever, and I look for things that have changed. And uh, when you've got proof like that, it's one of the best chances I think we have for um, um, ever getting anyone to do anything because it's like right there in black and white. It's not a he said, she said. Look, here's one version of this. Here's another version of this. Um, so I suggest that you you do that. Print out your dockets regularly. I encourage everyone to scan their documents that they file and keep them chronologically in a in a folder in your computer. All right. Let's see. I am one Jeannie does not have her hand up, and I'm not sure, Jeannie, that you're available to be. Uh, I don't think you're logged in so that you can be brought up. I tried. You don't, unless you're in as corrupt judges, South Dakota, Rhode Island, Guest 10, Georgia, Northeast California, North Georgia, Hawaii, Southeast Missouri, or Central Illinois, I don't have you. Jeannie, are you signed in? I am one Jeannie. You've obviously got a screen name. Did you get a pen? Say, I've got you up here, but I don't think I have you to be able to. Yeah, for some reason, you're not showing up as, as I can't open your microphone because you don't have a microphone. The, the way you register and get a pen is you go back and you, you go into TalkShoe.com, you says somewhere where you register or whatever, you click to register, you put all your stuff in, and then it's going to give you a pen. And uh, then when you call in, when you put the pen in, which I think is maybe usually your telephone number, uh, then it's going to give you the ability to, to talk. Um, I don't know what else to tell you. I can't uh, – if you want to send me an email, I'll uh, – have to call in not on your computer. All right. Well, I don't. I don't know what I can do. I am one genie. I apologize. You can get a message to me on email or something. I will try to see if uh, I can share your information. Yeah. Or like the best thing to always do if something's not working. Hey, hang up and try again. All right. Uh, so I don't have any hands up. So let's keep going here with this list. Um, is a convention of states the answer? Um, well, that was a very short question without much of an explanation of what that meant. But there are some people that think that we think we ought to have a, um, a constitutional amendment 
and that has to be done by ratification of uh, uh, what 75 percent of the states or something I, I don't know I think the danger with that is that the people in power will be able to do whatever they want at something like that I'm afraid of something that would uh, uh, put the 90 the one percent that have 99 percent of the control in a position to uh, to change the Constitution um, I think they were better off the way we are now even though we're screwed will I do another show devoted to grand juries the answer to that is yes and I'll talk about grand juries a little bit um, keep in mind now those of you who are who are logged in star 8 will show me that you want to talk and I'll would love to pluck somebody else in other than just me uh, to sit here and talk here's the deal with grand juries all right so now we've got guest 10 has their hand up so before I do grand juries let's go to guest 10 and see what's shaking out there in guest 10 land guest 10 who am I speaking with hi my name is Teresa Brown Teresa yeah hi Teresa hi how so, are you I'm good where, where are you from Actually, I'm originally from Southeast Missouri, and, um, you know, I've, I've been friends with you on Facebook. I, I go by my maiden name there, which is Juan, but um, I'm in California right now. Very good. Well, I know Teresa Juan very well. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, basically, the grand jury scenario, um, whenever, whenever we approached on the criminality uh, my dad had $30,000 stolen that was never inventoried in treasuries by a county guardian. And since he was an elected official, the district attorney basically told me to stop talking, that he wasn't going to uh, uh, be a party to uh, a crime. I think he said he couldn't be a party to a crime, so he wasn't going to be a witness. So he basically hung up on me. And this is almost three years later. We're in the middle of a federal lawsuit. And I, I don't see uh, how the feds can know that this guy has four social security numbers, has stolen money from my dad, has stolen money from other people, and nobody really wants to prosecute. Well, they may not care because they don't care about you. They may be protecting somebody. Uh, you know, there's, I'm sure, a million reasons why they don't do anything, but generally they don't do anything. Um, so let me, you had asked specifically about grand jury stuff. Here's, right. the deal um, with, yeah. here's the deal with grand juries. The Constitution provided two powers relative to grand juries, the power of indictment and the power of presentment. We're all familiar with indictment, indictments where allegedly the U.S. attorney or a state's attorney or whatever goes to a grand jury with charges against somebody the grand jury allegedly evaluates that evidence and decides whether or not a person should be indicted which means set up to stand trial on these charges we're all familiar with that i have mm -hmm. been indicted i have also done a presentment a presentment is where the grand jury on its own brings up criminal charges against someone now they don't usually you know it rarely gets done and usually there's somebody who's out there as the protagonist who's providing them with information that would encourage something like that to happen so when i was educated by somebody about the power of presentment which essentially has been written out of our legal life 
by the powers that be who have the federal government, uh, Congress primarily, who provides no rules of civil procedure relative to how to handle a presentment. So there's no longer any rules, there's no longer any presentments being done. But by chance, I learned that the Fulton County, Georgia grand jury, where I lived in Atlanta, had done a presentment a year or so before I was involved in trying to bring a bunch of corrupt federal judges uh, to trial. So I set out to try to get in front of the Fulton County Grand Jury. I started by writing letters and sending evidence to the Fulton County uh, District Attorney, whose name escapes me, uh, and he never responded. Never any response, never go away, never go screw yourself, nothing. Sent certified letters so I could prove they got him, nothing. So I probably had a half dozen uh, sent to him, messenger letter down to his office, never any response. So the only way you're going to get in front of a grand jury, and there are several grand juries, there's a federal grand jury, and there are state and or county grand juries. The only way that you're going to get before them is if the district attorney or prosecuting attorney or U.S. attorney gives you an audience. Now, we still have the power of presentment. It's still out there. It hasn't been taken away. There just aren't any procedures. So what I did was I started sending letters to the grand jury. I sent messengers down with envelopes to every member of the grand jury by number. I, uh, I mailed letters. I sent certified letters. Usually got everything I sent sent back to me, Merck refused. So I decided to go sit in the lobby of the district attorney's office, which just happens to house the grand jury room. Now, how's that for unbiased? Mm-hmm. Here you got the, the district attorney is the one that houses and feeds and everything else the grand jurors. I mean, the truth is that the saying is uh, any halfway decent prosecuting attorney could get a grand jury to indict a ham sandwich. Well, they'll do whatever the hell it is they tell them to do. So I... Uh, decided to go down there and camp out, printed up flyers, took a box of my evidence, marked grand jury evidence. That was very important because anyone who refuses to accept evidence to, uh, for a grand jury could be considered to have committed a crime. And I printed up flyers and I handed them to everybody who walked in and out of the door. Sat right there at the front entrance, it chapped there behind Snow End, handed them out to everybody. Did this for several months. They only meet twice a week. So one of the things you have to do if you're going to do this is find out when your grand jury meets. And uh, I suggest calling at 1215 when the regular guard dog receptionist is out and you get the backup. Um, Try to find it. Just ask, when's the grand jury meeting and where? You need to find that out so you can go down and if you want to try to do something like this. So anyway, finally, I got a... Uh, somebody came out from the district attorney's office and handed me a letter or something and said, the grand jury would like to see you on Friday at 2 o'clock. I I think it was a Friday. I'm not sure if it was 2 o'clock. So it's all published online somewhere, so whatever's online is true. So I went and uh, got in front of the grand jurors. Now, the assistant district attorney had taken the grand jurors somewhere else 
and told him that I was the biggest liar in North America and that nothing I said could be believed and that all I did was go around suing people. Da -da 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 -da. So I walked in without knowing this had happened into a hostile environment. And these people immediately started firing all these nasty questions at me. Well, the assistant district attorney wouldn't allow me to distribute the brochures that I printed up to distribute to each member of the grand jury, but I brought all the evidence in the little booklets. And so when they started asking these questions, fortunately, they asked questions that were, I had the proof right there. So one of the things was, didn't you write a letter to the foreman of the grand jury saying you were the president of a Goldman Sachs company? President of Goldman Sachs. I said, no, I wrote him a letter saying I was formerly the president of a Goldman Sachs company. No, no, you told him you were the president of Goldman Sachs. I said, well, I got it right here. <laughs> By the time I, I, I defused three or four of their ridiculous claims that they'd been told, the tables totally turned. So they asked me questions about the issues I was presenting against the district attorney and against, I believe it was six federal judges in Atlanta. And two people kind of took over the grand jury and said, um, we'd like you to come back on Tuesday when, when they met the next time and do a slam bam, thank you ma'am presentation like the, uh, the grand, uh, like the district attorney does and bring us no more than a 25 page document explaining your, your charges and then footnote to your evidence and then put just the evidence all numbered numerically, chronologically and have it footnoted and uh, we'll see you on Tuesday. So I left really excited. Here I had finally gotten in front of the grand jury. I testified before them for about half hour to an hour. And here I was getting to come back on Tuesday. So I come back on Tuesday and I met by uh, three sheriff's deputies and the chief investigator for the Fulton County District Attorney who removed me forcibly from the courthouse and said if I ever returned, I would be uh, uh, charged with criminal trespassing. Couldn't ever return to the third, sixth, or seventh floor of the Fulton County Courthouse. So, you gotta try to get before a grand jury. Will they try to stop you? Yes. Is it almost impossible? Yes. But I still believe that grand juries are, are perhaps the only realistic shot we might have of getting somebody who will do something uh, that's right. So that's a short version of what it takes to do a grand jury. Now there's federal grand juries, as I said, and at least in Georgia, federal and county. This was before the county. I tried to get before the federal grand jury. They assigned a marshal, uh, a U.S. marshal, to follow me and uh, escort me anywhere I went in the federal courthouse and I was not allowed to go on the floor where the grand jury met. They actually published, printed an eight by 10 color photo of me and mounted it at every entrance to the Atlanta, Georgia federal courthouse. Unbelievable, but true. So while you can go to a grand jury and you can do all these things, you've got, you need to all recognize that um, the, t the cards are totally stacked against you and you're gonna get a big gigantic target on your back if you go off to try to do this. It just uh, depends on how committed you are and whether you're worried with, uh, with being a target and having these people do anything and everything to you for the rest of your life. Uh, I'm long since there, I'm happy to keep going. 
I will continue to do all these kinds of things for as long as I manage to stay alive. So, are you still there? Yeah, I'm listening. Um, yeah, because whenever I advocate, I have other cases. I have a case in Florida where there's a lot of corruption, a lot of exploitation going on, and they seem very confident that they everything is just, you know, they're the untouchables. That's how they all kind of act. And, you know, we, we don't have an appeal process because it would be interlocutory at this point. Um, everything's orders. Um, she doesn't do judgment. She, uh, the judge likes to pretend to be a, a lawyer offering evidence, um, making statements as if she's counsel. She's very inappropriate. Um, and, and I pretty much have washed my hands of any ideas. You know, I've, I've tried all kinds of things. I've heard of the lean process. A lot of people were preaching about it. I was really uncertain. And I thought, well, if it works, it works. It's not frivolous if we're actually dealing with true, raw corruption, true, raw, bad stuff. Now, if somebody is, is going in saying that, you know, they're, they're suing uh, and putting liens on people because of their house, it was taken on a foreclosure or something like that, it's nothing like that. We're talking about real corruption. So well, it wouldn't be frivolous. Well, I would advise everybody to stay as far away from this idea of filing a lien against your judge as you possibly can. There is nothing in any rules of civil procedure or criminal procedure or anywhere else that gives you the ability to do that. And there are, I've sent you, I think, Teresa, or somebody who inquired yeah, last night, did. one article. There was one I just found by doing a very quick Google, but they consider this to be uh, terroristic efforts and threats. And, and, you know, they'll nail, I believe they'll nail people in a heartbeat and have. So, okay. So, what do we do? I mean, where I, let me explain okay. where I come from on all this. I actually, no, I understand too. I mean, I, I don't want to be considered like they, they call it the birther movement. They call it, you know, the birthers, you know, or the, the what they yeah, call it. Yeah, this is the sovereign movement. citizens. Yeah, the sovereign citizens are really considered bad guys. You know, they're the bad of the bad. And, and really, that's not the truth. The truth is they're really tired of the corruption. They're tired of being run over by the freight train. And yeah. I've seen it over and over and over again. All these cases are just out of control. And, and basically, the bar is to blame. You know, unfortunately, the bar is to blame. The bar is in the legislature. They're making the bad, bad laws. We've got, we've got Missouri wings trying to go in and change all the chapters regarding uh, the guardianships where they're changing the word disability to get this financially incapacitated. So no longer is the word disability going to be in the chapter at all, and they're going to replace it with financially incapacitated. Well, if you think about it, that's going to affect every Missourian in Missouri because if they truly make it financially incapacitated, then they're basically saying that because you're disabled, you're financially incapacitated, you're poor, you're on some kind of subsidy, you're on some kind of SSI, or if you're poor, let's say that you're a poor female with three kids, you're on you're on substance, uh, you're financially incapacitated. They can take your kids. It can go all kinds of ways, really bad, fast. Well, I, you know, am a law-abiding citizen. I mean, I really am. I believe in going by the laws and the rules. Unfortunately, we live in lawless America because the powers that be don't go by. Uh, the laws or the rules, but I don't believe that that means I should change and and not do it. So 
that's why I'm against the lien thing. Uh, there's one question, do I support the National Liberty Alliance? I don't. Uh, I don't think the idea of citizens' grand juries is a valid idea or something that should be done. I think if you can reach a valid grand jury, great. But making up your own grand jury to decide cases, no. I proposed something once, but the idea was to have some type of bodies be created to review cases as they do, or at least used to do in uh, New Hampshire, where they would review things and come back saying, the legislature did this up there, the House, as I understand it, uh, and come back and say, um, no, they ruled wrong. Um, you know, something like that might be of some benefit. But um, I'm just not against things that appear to me to just flat be, be illegal. Um, okay. Another question about jurisdiction. When you're dealing with grand juries, I mean, you have grand juries like local grand juries, and then you have your federal, and you have your county, and your state. Uh, is it really a jurisdiction? I mean, couldn't you get a summary judgment on somebody who lives in a county in one state that was robbed in another state? I mean, couldn't you go to a grand jury to have that heard? If you can't uh, get justice in the state that you lived, couldn't yeah, you get justice let me, in the state that you lived? Hmm? Let me answer that and let me toss a couple other things in. One is I will do a, a program just entirely on grand juries because there's a lot that you need to know about, people need to know about grand juries if they want to go off and try to do something. Jurisdiction is a great is one great example. Another example that's coming out of some of the questions you're asking is uh, is what types of things can you take to a grand jury? You need to understand a grand jury is not a civil court. A grand jury is a criminal court. So the only thing that you can take to a grand jury are criminal charges, and you need to study the criminal statutes in order to identify which ones uh, are suitable for you. I have enough articles written about grand juries on lawlessamerica.com that you can find a laundry list of the federal crimes, and you can also find a list of Georgia and other states that would enable you to, to find for your state. But jurisdiction, and again, I'm not a lawyer, I can't give legal advice, I'm only sharing my experience, but I know that jurisdiction for a crime is where the crime takes place. Yeah, I, yeah, I can't figure that. So I was, so I was just throwing that out there. Out, but if you're you know, if, a federal judge and you live in Cobb County, Georgia, as I did, the federal judges are all in Fulton County, Georgia, where they do their dirty work, I had to... I had to take action against them in Fulton County because that's where they are. So it's where in, that was hard for a lot of people to understand when we were discussing okay. this uh, a couple of years ago. It's, it's wherever the, the deed was done. So it's wherever your, your judge or your sheriff or whoever else it is, it's wherever they are and did this thing that uh, uh, is where you would have to, to take action. And, and I encourage people to... Put your evidence together, send it to the district attorney, send it to the U.S. attorney. Try to get a response from them. Document the fact that you sent it. Every time you send anything, document that you sent it uh, so that you've got proof. Because one of the things I did was I, I brought up criminal charges before the Fulton County Grand Jury against the district attorney and against uh, the federal judges. I should have been able to get that assistant district attorney out of the room because, you know, he theoretically was part of who I was bringing criminal charges against. But I didn't, 
I thought, hey, I thought this piece of cake. I'm coming back to present to them my full stuff on a Tuesday. Well, did I know? I should have known. Well, yeah, I, I mean, I, I don't think that in our case, I don't think that this guy that in my dad's case, I don't think that he is so light. And I think that what he, the, the real issue, I think, is the judge that was in the case uh, was also a party in the lawsuit, got immunity with, you know, she gave us the prejudice thing, you know, an order with prejudice that it was dismissed. He has immunity, even though he was a party, okay, even though he actually worked for the other side for seven years. He worked for our family. He was our family's lawyer. He shouldn't have sat before the case. I didn't know that he had done this at the time. But the, the fellow that actually did the theft, he, that's not part of his job. I mean, that was his own personal thing that he did. Uh, his job does not cover theft. I mean, I don't think that's a provision of his job. So that was really bad faith right there, maliciousness. And I don't think they're protecting him for that reason. I think they're protecting him because of all the millions of dollars he's looted from, you know, many people over the last 30 years in the office. And somehow the shakedown is everybody's benefiting in the county. All the county officials are getting money, maybe for a slush fund, who knows. But that money's being sprinkled around, and he's obviously not getting it at all. But I think well, this judge, in our case, was nominated for uh, an appellate judge. He was the Supreme Court of Missouri had actually put him in for nomination. So I think that's the reason why um, he's being protected. That's why they rallied around him and protected him. That's why the Assistant Attorney General came in and defended him in the case and fought so hard to get him freed. Of course, he had violated every code that the Judicial Code offers. I mean, there was three of them that he violated. Um, my dad never even had a hearing. Not one hearing for incompetence, yet they had full control. And let me jump in, Teresa, let me jump in and say that I may still be a little naive. <laughs> it would be hard to believe after all this, but I, I have to say that I'm probably still naive about the idea that there's a lot of money that causes a lot of this stuff to happen. I actually, and I'm sure there is some and probably a lot, but I think in, from my experience, more cases than not, is it's a relationship uh, with uh, one of one or more of the attorneys who are involved in something. Like when several million dollars was taken from me by Judge Arinda D. Evans, federal judge in Atlanta, Georgia, I'm more inclined to think after 10 years now that it was because the people representing the bad guy was the largest law firm in town, and I had a guy with a two-person law. You know, he amounted to nothing. So she just decided to rule for the other. Now, maybe she got paid too, but... Uh, I think that that maybe is the reason more often than not. So in your case, it just may be that, that was, there's a favored person down there, and that's who they went with. I've got well, yeah, I, but, you know, I'm dealing with elected officials, okay? I'm, I'm dealing yeah. with big judges. But in the other cases that I have, I have like 18-year-olds that are grabbed, graduate from high school, they declare are totally incompetent, totally disabled, swoop her off into a lockup facility just so they can milk the SSI, and this girl actually graduated high school with a C average. There was nothing wrong with her. She wasn't a behavioral problem, but she was poor. Her family was poor. And this is going on. There's over 30 kids for this one particular county that's been seized like this. And this is Missouri. So there's a, there, and this is Adair County. And Adair County has a lot of problems with Rhonda No. That's K-N-O. <laughs> and she has uh, basically a She's a serial hunter. She hunts out these kids. Anybody with slight impairment, any uh, mental issues, any slight autism, she'll come after them when they turn 18. 
and that's what she's been doing. So they've been making a very lucrative living doing that. I've got cases all over the state of Missouri, and then I've got my Florida case. In the Florida case, it's really helpful to know what you've told me because in their case, yeah, we can focus on the judge. The judge is a problem because she is okay and everything. But these these guardians that are looting and taking advantage of the state and hurting these elderly people, they are just run-of-the-mill people. They aren't lawyers. And I think going with a grand jury and going after them is key. If we're not addressing the judge, if we stay away from her, okay, just don't even pay attention to her and just go after these guardians for the corrupt criminal activity, the fraud on the court, I believe that that might be an option. Okay, fraud on the court is civil, not criminal, but try to go after it in the civil court. Well, it, well, the fraud on the court deals with financial fraud, actually deals with financial theft. You know, okay, exploitation well, the elderly is a crime. Yeah, if you can fit that under a criminal claim as opposed to fraud on the court, then sure. You've got to study the statutes and see where the things that, you know, I would encourage anyone who thinks they want to try to get before a grand jury or present charges in hopes that a district attorney, U.S. attorney would do something, is go to the Code of Criminal Procedure for your state and read it. It's actually fascinating reading. You can't believe some of the things that are crimes that you never would have thought of that will apply to you. I mean, I went with a list I thought was pretty good, and I, I probably doubled it, you know, in terms of other things that I, I could go for. So, uh, you know, so read those, and we'll set up a grand jury show here in the next couple of weeks. Uh, okay, Teresa, good. I've now got a bunch of hands up, so I'm going okay, to need to go to somebody go. else. Good to talk okay. with you. Okay, bye. Bye. All right, S. Benner. Yes, how you doing, Bill? Good. So Good. who is this? Um, this is Steve Benner, and I'm here with my daughter, Sarah. And um, I don't know, you probably read a little bit about uh, our situation, maybe? Well, I've got stuff that I haven't read yet, just being totally honest. Okay, sure. Um, well, you had the questions back at the, back at the beginning. Should I go back to those, or do you remember yep. what they are? Yes, I do. So, um, you know, I guess... Um, what other avenues can we go to other than the tenure commission, FBI, attorney general, three recusals, U.S. attorney? What other avenues, when you got a judge that's biased, even wrote in writing bias, in our case, we had a debt of 25 million, or I'm sorry, 23 million, and this bank admitted in a, in a tape recording that they paid 25, uh, this lender paid 25 million for our debt, they actually um, were a lender and they also were a, a broker for real estate and they never ran our listings for like listing the properties and they took our information with their sister company and supposed to do the loan for us and they did the loan for themselves and we have a tape recording, they paid $25 million, our debt was $23 million, but they told the court that the debt was $18 million. And now they got a judgment against me for like $3 million. And the judges told my attorneys in closed chambers, don't work for, for me. Um, he doesn't know yet that he's getting into a landmine and he better get out. Um, he also wrote this article about Winston Churchill saying, you know, in the fields and the lands, we're going to fight and, you know, I got to stop fighting, which is against my judicial process. Uh, uh, if it says uh, Defendant Benner choose a path of mass resistance, that calls to mind the immortal words of Winston Churchill, 
We shall fight. We shall fight on the beaches. We shall fight on the landing grounds. We shall fight in the fields and in the streets. We shall fight in the hills, and we shall never surrender. So he did that in his written judgment, putting a three million dollar judgment. When we showed him that they, the only proof, our written proof, was that they paid twenty five million for that. I owe twenty three million, and the only proof they had was the attorney's verbal response. And no hearing, no evidentiary hearing. We've done three recusals on the judge after he wrote that, which, in my opinion, is a biased statement. Um, so what other avenues can we go? We're like, we're just so lost. My life is lost. I feel just like you. I mean, I've got 30-some years. They've taken $100 million from me. Um, so I guess what avenues would you suggest? Well, you hit on most of them. You you listed recusals. Recusal is the first place to start. Now, I just learned something yesterday in Texas that if I file a motion asking the presiding judge for the region in which the Ellis County Courts are located uh, to appoint a different judge to hear the recusal motion, I get a different judge. Usually, you get the same judge to decide your recusal. So study the recusal statutes under your, your uh, code of uh, civil procedure for your state. See if there's something there. That's the first place to start. Of course, no. Everybody, the minute you file a motion for recusal with your judge, they'll hate you even more than they do already. And when right. Judge- our, our state goes back to the same judge, and the laws only go to him and then his boss, and that's it. And then you can file with the circuit or with the uh, with the Court of Appeals, um, but good luck on that. You know, um, we've already done that too. So we've done is it three. A state judge or a federal judge? State judge, circuit court okay. judge. It's a business right. judge. You only have one business judge. Then his boss is the other business judge. But he, you know, doesn't matter what topic we hit. We even had jurisdiction that in the agreement, you know, it had to go to a federal judge the jurisdiction, and he ruled on this matter without going to federal judge, and both him and his boss, you know, ignored that and the recusal as well. So, you know, we've looked at the recusal. I've read it myself. I wish there was something. I'll read it again just just to be safe. But Yeah, Yeah, I actually found that in – I'll tell you where I found it. And one of the questions somebody asked that was a very good one was, uh, where do I find the rules? Well, there's a bunch of rules. It depends on the state you're in. They're different for every state. The federal rules of civil procedure are fairly easy to deal with, but then there are local rules for the various federal districts. So you've got to look at those local rules as well. On in, Let's take Texas as an example. Let me pull it up so I'm not just speaking from memory. I'll give you the exact list. But in Texas, if I go to the Supreme Court website for the state of Texas, it gives me a nice laundry list that included some things that I'd never heard of that I've now become quite familiar with. They've got a little header at the top that says rules and forms. Then I click on a, a link for rules and standards. There's the Texas Rules of Civil Procedure. I know those pretty well. Texas Rules of Appellate Procedure. I know those too well. Texas Rules of Evidence. Texas Code of Judicial Conduct and the Texas Rules of Disciplinary Procedures and Rules of Professional Conduct, those pertain to attorneys. The one that I had never looked at before is one called Texas Rules of Judicial Administration. Well, I'll be doggone if that wasn't where I found the deal with the ability to file a motion and get a different judge. 
So go look at your state's rules of judicial administration. If you can't find them, call somebody up with the state and say, is there such a thing? There has to be something that sets up how they administer. And then, of course, at each step as you go, check and see what you have in terms of, of local rules. But, uh, you know, you can go to the federal grand jury and the county grand jury, but you need to learn how to do that before you go off to try to do it. That's something else you can do. Uh, but that's only one on other criminal thing stuff, that, right? That that would all be criminal. Now let's let's talk civil for a second, because RICO is organized crime, and RICO is both civil and criminal. Right. One of our laws uh, is not RICO. You can't you can't sue judges. In civil cases, supposedly, I think you can, but they got enough case law that they say that you can't. And who am I? I'm not a lawyer. I'm just a guy. But I have not found any court ruling that says that you can't sue a judge in a civil case for RICO. Now, to to prevail with RICO in a civil action, as I understand it, you have to prove that they committed crimes. In more than two crimes, it has in more than two events. It can't be just one singled out. Correct. To, be, uh, case going. to fall under RICO, yeah. So there's right. also information that I've written on lawlessamerica.com about my experiences with RICO. Now, I've filed several of these, and I've never won. They make them go away, but they never address the You know, there's never been a ruling saying, oh, you can't do a judge in a civil case for RICO. Instead, they claim that I didn't dot my eye or something that wasn't true in order just to make it go away. So you could look at doing a civil RICO action, and if you were to somehow get something like that to fly, then guess what? You've proven they committed crimes. So then you'd have a little something different to take for the U.S. attorney and the prosecuting attorney, so maybe there's a chance. The truth of the matter is almost all the efforts that we all make are going to result in little or nothing. Right. That's the first anybody's bubble, but you've experienced it. But I'm not I'm not ever gonna give up. I want to document as much corruption as I possibly can. And uh I want to get as much information on these people as I can so that it just is a backbreaker if somebody ever really realistically looks at it. Uh I'm hoping right now I can get something done with these people in Ellis County because I've got completely different versions of documents that they filed in court. <laughs> for the wow. purpose of getting them, somebody might say, wait a minute, we've got to stop this crap somewhere. I uh, mean, our case is so unique, and I know everybody's is, but in our case, we even have the guy that did this to us and didn't run the listings and arranged for his other lending company to take our documents and use them to buy the loan. He admits on tape to a federal investigator, he's a private investigator, but he also works federally for Obama, that he, he, they have all the judges in their pocket. We have it on tape, and they have all the attorneys in their pocket, so we can't get representation. We're basically blocked out of representation. Um, I mean, it's just, it's insane. You know, we have, like I said, $25 million and they say and, and they paid, and that's the only evidence, and the judge ignores it. You know, so, I mean, what other options are there against these judges that continue to blatantly ignore they won't let us get evidence in. So, I mean, how you get evidence in is a question, I guess, when a judge won't let you get evidence in. Or even if you get it in, like our case, we did get like the $25 million in against the 23, which is not even our case. I mean, that's 
the judge ignored it and still issued the judgment. Now they're coming at a judgment on me to collect on something they sold my properties and paid more than my debt was. I know it's the craziest thing in the world, but what what avenues would you, you know, what are available for something like this? All right, well, you know, I lost, I didn't get my pen working fast enough to scribble down one of the, the points that came out of what you were just talking about, but let's talk about the evidence. And again, I'm not a lawyer. I'm just a guy who's learned the hard way. Uh, yeah. What I do in every case is as quickly as I possibly can is I prepare an affidavit with all the evidence I've assembled up to that point and get it filed with the court. Then it's in the court record, and they can't stop you. So I get it in before they have a chance to stop me from filing anything. Right. And but I encourage everybody to try to do that. If you're you're in a battle, try to get your evidence in. Don't wait till you have a hearing or something else, or to file a motion and ask permissions. It's an affidavit. It's you testifying, and you you attach your evidence to it, and you swear it before a notary. And I would also say to everybody, uh, I every time I almost every time I file something, I go to a no, go to a notary at my bank bless their little hearts, and get them to, uh, to notarize it so that it's sworn under penalty of perjury. You know, uh, I just learned in Texas that when you're filing a uh, motion for summary judgment, if you don't have a separate affidavit with your facts, nothing you say counts. Even if you put a verification in your motion, it has to be a separate affidavit. Well, I've now done a separate affidavit. But I do every, every uh, motion and, of course, every affidavit sworn under penalty of perjury before a notary. Yeah. Okay. So, and, and what about me? Have you gone to, like, the newspaper? Has that proven any successful? Uh, going to, like, the <laughs> newspaper or television or radio and, and getting them involved, or does it hurt you more? Well, I don't think it's going to hurt you because they probably won't do anything. But try, try, try to get the media involved. Take, But you need to uh, – the problem with most of us, myself included, is our stories are too long. Um, you need an elevator pitch. You know, if you're on the eighth floor of a building, by the time you get down to the first floor, you need to be able to turn to that person next to you who turns out to be the the head of the local ABC station and tell them the story. Um, Keep it simple. It needs, needs to be brief. needs to be kept simple. And then if you've got some key evidence, not everything that you've ever accumulated, but like in my case, I've got two indictments that are completely different. I've got two two alleged bonds, completely different, and then I've got the transcript of the trial, which tells which are valid, and they're not the ones the state claims. Uh, so that's a nice little package of like five documents that could be uh, could be handed to somebody. Uh, so keep it simple, and yes, go to them. Now I'll tell you, a lot of people, you know, some people who've been on here before have heard this story, but the. Atlanta Journal and Constitution, one of their investigative reporters, spent a lot of time with me uh, going over the the story of the corruption with the federal judges in Georgia, what I had experienced and, and my experience at the U.S. Supreme Court. And she had finished the last of her interviews, and she was taking it to her boss, and she calls me up a day or two later, and she says, Bill, I'm really sorry. I'm not going to be able to write the story. I said, why not? She said, we've spent weeks. She said, uh, they're afraid to, I just can't, I can't tell you something. I said, come on now, at least tell me why. And she said, well, they're afraid of what the judges would do to us. She said, we get sued all the time. If these judges are against us, it costs us 
uh, more money than we ever thought we could have. So that was it. No more story. We managed to get the investigative reporter for one of the television stations to come down to the courthouse the day that I started my testimony before the grand jury. He was there. There were about a dozen people there who came down hoping that they might be able to get in too, people who know me. He talked to all of them. He talked to me. He saw me go in. He saw the excitement when I came back out. Then when I notified him what happened when they uh, removed me from the courthouse, he would never pursue it. He was there. He saw the stuff happening, except for the removal from the courthouse, which fortunately a woman videoed. She had her phone there, a friend, and videoed it when she saw it happening. So, but they, they, they won't take it. They're afraid of the power of the judges and the power of the 1% who have all the power. So, but you know, I don't, but that shouldn't dissuade any of you from trying to get the media to cover your story. There are obviously plenty of cases uh, where that, where that has happened. And it's helped now, actually, uh, you've seen it help somewhere? Oh yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, you know, you look at, uh, Cash for Kids, all kinds of stuff ended up getting publicized there. Um, we did, I did a thing on Facebook about uh, a little girl named October who was essentially murdered by Child Protective Services in Great Falls, Montana. And because I managed to get the crime scene photos, they were just so completely shocking to people, we got tremendous coverage and they end up getting local media coverage uh, as part of that, even though it was a year or two after the murder took place. So yeah, if you had, I know a lot of your stuff is like criminal stuff, maybe with. But if you had much of the business stuff like this, I mean, I know your own was business. But if you had like, like over the years, like business stuff, a lot of it, or is it mostly criminal? A lot of the stuff you work with. Well, I mean, I work, you know, try to help people with everything. Most of what I end up over half of what I ended up dealing with is mothers and fathers in family court and divorce court situations, right. you know, coming for help. And that, you know, tends to be more civil than it is criminal. <laughs> There's plenty of criminal stuff involved. Uh, you know, your chance with getting something covered in the media is going to be when it's more salacious. You got a, you know, corrupt judge or corrupt prosecutor or corrupt attorneys on the other side, you know, you know, look at your case and just, be honest, does you know, in yours it sounds like you've got stuff to work with, and Teresa's does. You know, is it really something that the media could possibly even get interested in? But again, what the heck? Give it a try. It almost never hurts to ask. Right. Well, Unless... no, they all know me. We're a public figure, so I mean, they they obviously super know me. I'm like a Trump, so but we lost a lot. I was a single parent, full custody of three kids. But the items that they did are paid off our attorneys and accountants. We had an agreement in federal bankruptcy they could not pay our attorneys or accountants it was part of our reorganization plan four letters from the attorneys that they would not pay and it was in our agreement that they could not pay and i was debtor in possession if you know what that is and (coughs) they paid the accountants and the attorneys not a lot of money 1.2 million dollars against our knowledge or will in addition to that you know like they got the tape you know uh, that they got the judge, but more importantly, never ran the listings, over 40 listings. That's like you trying to sell your house. 
the bank comes after you and say, look, you got to sell. We want to downsize our loans, Mr. Bill. You know, we don't can't handle your loan anymore. You know, please find another lender. We'll give you this much time. They say, use this guy. The bank made us use this guy this because this guy did broker opinion of values for the bank, never ran our listings, and then used our knowledge because he had a sister company that was going to do the loan to refinance us to save our equity, and ended up by, because he never actually ran the listings, and it would be like you not have anybody run the listings on your house, you end up with nothing. He's supposed to refinance. He's supposed to sell or list, refinance your place, or maybe you find somebody to rent it. He's supposed to do that too, and he did none of them. And day by day, by doing nothing, it puts you closer to the day the bank's going to take it back. And that's exactly what they did. Our time ran out. Bank took it back, and then they had a deal already cut with the bank. The bank paid off all of our attorneys. Our attorneys stood down, and that literally is what happened. Crazy. And then they told the courts they paid eighteen seven five. The same guy that did this did this to somebody else. They used the CB Richard Ellis uh, real estate guy when he did it to somebody else. They stepped in and paid this guy off. Um, and, you know, it went out of court, not big numbers like ours, and he did it to us. We brought this up to the judge, in addition, and the judge just ignores all of it. Um, and then, uh, I mean, so we have really good stuff, and we have the proof. I mean, this isn't like hearsay. We have, like, all the documents. And, you know, we've been, you know, in literally all the courts, and we can't get any of the judges. I mean, it's like, you know, from what I've been told that, they're, because it's us, similar to you, they're just going to rule against everything, and then we have these biased comments by the judge. So, I mean, we're just looking for, like, you know, like any kind of, like, you know, kind of, like, thoughts of what are some avenues we can go because we lost a lot. I mean, you know, in addition to that, they, they took all my personal property in the property, all my, I had, like, uh, set up businesses. I used to put people in business hair salons, restaurants, daycares. And anyway, long story short, they never sold the collateral, and the bank that took it got the windfall of all my personal property, over $10 million more of free money they got. Crazy numbers. Um, but please, any thoughts you have would be helpful. Do you know Jeff Barron? No. Google Jeff Barron, J-E-F-F-B-A-R-O-N. You'll find that they stole hundreds of millions of dollars from him, and he is under receivership, a person under receivership. It can't be done, but it was done. It was done in federal court in Dallas, Texas. Uh, but it's a, it's a horrible story, but yours you know, sounds just atrocious. I've got a bunch of other hands up, so I need to go to them now. But listen, thank you, and uh, I'll announce when I'm going to do this grand jury show. You should pursue that. You, you definitely should pursue that. If I was in your okay. shoes, I would darn sure pursue that. All right, yeah, thanks. I'm going to go to the. Whoops, going to go to the next person who is somebody in Georgia. Who we got in Georgia? Are you still there, Georgia, or did you give up? Maybe you're not in Georgia, and I just think you are. Can anyone speak out there, and we'll see if you come through the microphone? Hello. All right. I'm going to cover that up so if that person comes back, they can raise their hand again. All right, now we're going to Tom Scott. Hello, Bill. Hey, Tom, you there? I am. Good. All right. How are you? 
I thought you mistook me from Georgia. I'm saying hello, 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 and I'm like, oh my God, he he can't hear me. <laughs> no, have somebody else down there. And if they if you if you are no longer in the cube, star eight, and we'll get your hand up again. So, what's up with you? What questions do you have, Tom? Well, I don't have any questions. I'm uh, I'm possibly here to join the team, actually. Well, great. Uh, yeah, I, uh, just a couple of comments, quick comments. For your previous caller who just ended, um, have him check out something called uh, mandamus, um, when judges and other officials don't follow the rules. Some states allow for writ of mandamus. Um, it's, it might be a futile effort, but I suggest, especially where he's lost millions. I mean, I, I pale in comparison to him. Um, but that that was that would be something one of the first things I would look at if I was him is to look up something called a writ of mandamus from a higher court below so that the, these clowns stop following their own rules. You're exactly uh, right. I should have thought of that, but didn't. But yes, a writ of mandamus available uh, in I think almost every state certainly is available at the federal level, including the Supreme Court level. Believe it or not, a writ of yep. mandamus is an action to try to force a judge yep. or another government official to perform right. their duties the way they're supposed to. Right. Massachusetts so, actually abolished them. Mass the People's Republic of Massachusetts, as I affectionately call it, my home state, which I'm embarrassed to admit, but um, they actually abolished it, and I had to file a petition for interlocutory relief instead of the writ of mandamus. But you're right. Most most states do have it. And then, of course, your previous call it was from Missouri, I believe. Um, she was trying to make some kind of claim across state, she should look up something called diversity jurisdiction. Um, that's something I just learned about myself on the process of writing my book over the last couple of years. That that might help her out tremendously, too. Um, Could be. I couldn't quite understand her issue so much, but yeah. You know, yeah. And, and if, again, if you're in federal court, diversity jurisdiction is real important as one of the considerations of whether or not you can get jurisdiction on somebody. Right. You know, people ask me, how do you know this stuff? I read. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, I actually, yeah, the reason, I, you know, the reason I'm calling in is because I just wrote a book. I just spent two years, dedicated two years of my life with my co-author. We're about 3,000 hours into this project. Um, it's been a tremendous undertaking. I've been a victim of legal abuse in three different states. Um, I've got 25 legal battles under my belt so far in about every area of law you can possibly imagine, except maybe maritime law. That's the only thing I, I really haven't covered. I'm not a lawyer. I'm just Joe Average. I do have some credentials. If, um, if you're in the right industry, people will know who Tom Scott is. But um, I, I'm certainly in the legal field. I fly under the radar, which is a huge benefit. And I tell everybody in our, in our book that that's what they should do. But the reason I'm reaching out to you, Bill, is because... Um, you know, we've got a, as you know, we've got a major problem in this country. And in my opinion, and I can base it, back it up with facts, it's the number one problem affecting, affecting citizens in the United States, head and shoulders above all the others combined. I don't care if it's the economy, unemployment, what have you, but the legal system affects everyone, or it can affect everyone. You know, unemployment, well, I agree. Right? unemployment only affects people of uh, working age. You know, the, the legal system can affect people outside that group. So um, when you really think about it, it, it's, it is the number one problem. You know, as you know, our incarceration rate is, you know, ridiculous. It's 25% um, uh, higher than, well, actually, it's, um, what do we get? We get the 2.2 million in people. We only have 5% of the world's population, yet we have 22% of the world's incarcerated. So you get a five-to-one discrepancy there. Uh, and, you know, 
with the, with the book that I wrote, it's called Stack the Legal Odds in Your Favor, and my co-author is Sarah Nahidi. We, um, we put forth so much information that you don't get anywhere else. I learned a lot writing, reading, writing this book, as, as did she. But the, you know, the problem with the system is the people, one of the problems is that the people, as you mentioned, not within the last half hour, that the people making the rules don't follow the rules. And that's a, that's a major problem. Um, and, of course, you know, we, we want to fix this. You know, this, this is, um, you know, the Constitution uses a doormat now. Um, people at all levels of, you know, court system, what I found in my 25 battles that more often than not, they, you know, they don't, um, they don't follow their own statutory laws or their own court rules. So, um, yeah, judges do whatever they want for whatever reasons. And, you know, people can ask me, why do you think they did it? I said, it doesn't really matter why they did it. <laughs> to me, the only thing that matters is that they did do it, and what they did was wrong. They ignore the facts. They ignore the law. Yeah. Uh, and then prosecutors, prosecutors will do whatever the hell they want. They don't care. You know, we've got a young man in Pennsylvania in prison for 30 years for raping his four-year-old daughter. There was semen found on the little girl's panties. It wasn't the father. But his yeah. lawyer froze up and didn't present anything at trial. It never should have been taken to trial. And yeah. uh, then you've got, you know, any number of cases where they've just flat falsified stuff. Well, I'm dealing with that personally right now. They'll oh, yeah. do whatever it takes yeah. in order to get a, a conviction. They don't care whether the person's guilty or not. They'd probably yeah. rather yeah. not be guilty because it's easier to convict them because then they don't right. have a story to tell. You, you hit the nail right on the hammer because uh, we say that in the book. You know, we say it doesn't matter who they get as long as they can if they can contrive a case against someone and they go after the poor because they're easier. And I, I think this is a quote out of the book, you know, they're easy to chase, trap, and eat. And that's, you yeah. know, you, you're confirming exactly what I said. And a lot of people, I think, are getting tuned into this problem in the country, you know, with the Ferguson unrest, with the choking in uh, New York City, with the shooting in Baltimore. You know, amazingly, the mainstream media is even starting to cover this stuff. So, you know, I think it's becoming more... Um, it's you know it's getting a light shed on it a little more. It's becoming more to the forefront. But I still think a lot of people just don't know what to do. You know, like like a lot of your callers I've been listening to, um, they just don't know what to do. And you know, and the strength in numbers, right? So you have to like if yeah. I ever had a criminal case against me again, what I would do is I would and they say this in the book, I would go to the courthouse and I would get a list of of quote unquote friends. And I would say, look, they're going after us for either a, a non-crime, which happens quite often. You know, we get about 80-something thousand people pleading guilty to crimes they never committed. And then, of course, there's the falsely convicted. So there's a large number of people. So if these people went to the court and said, you know, I'm, I'm going to build a list of friends, and all of these people banded together and asserted their constitutional right for a jury trial, then, you know, you'd bring the system to a grinding halt, the legal, the, the, the criminal system anyway, not the civil system, but certainly the, the, the criminal system. And all these things, you know, just people just don't know where to turn. And that's, and a lot of people are taken advantage of. And that just, it sends me into orbit. You know, the, the, the system, I, in my experience, the system in the United States is probably far more corrupt than any third world country, which is not quite so open about it. You know, we purview, purvey a lot of propaganda at the highest levels that that's not true. But unfortunately, it is, as you obviously lawless America know, you know. So. Yeah, in, India is pretty bad, from what I can tell. I do Google alerts that send me stuff on corruption. I just had to turn the ones off because of all the stuff coming from India. Yeah, so it's pretty bad. But I mean, it's terrible here, and the, it, the whole idea that we have constitutional rights is a myth. We have no Dark constitutional time. rights. Yeah, you know, 
Yeah, the, right. The they, fourth and fifth have been com- right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, the, the fourth and fifth are completely gone. Those are bullet ridden. The first is not by, far behind. You know, six and seven are also on, on life support right now. Um, yeah, it's, it's, uh, there's no such thing as constitutional rights. And, you know, the thing that really, really winds me up is, you know, none of these presidential candidates are addressing this problem. Nobody, everybody sweeps it under the rug except the victims like you, myself, and probably two or three other million people in the United States. You know, nobody is, is, is willing to take on this problem. I don't know why, but nobody seems to care. You know? See, that's another reason I think we should reach out to Trump because he's all pissed off at the judge right now. <laughs> so, yeah. uh, you know, yeah. he's, I'm sure, had plenty of reasons not to like judges, but he specifically has one going on right now. And besides, he needs to pick up uh, votes from wherever he can get them. If he could get all of us who've been victimized, he'd have a boatload of votes. Yeah. So, yeah. I, don't, I, would, I would, you know, I, I wish I had some connection or some way. You know, to reach him, uh, we need to try yeah. to do it. I don't know if you or, or many of the listeners have seen the newly released corruption uh, map that's been posted on my Facebook page. Have I you have seen not. it? You I haven't? Have not. Well, my Facebook page is uh, facebook.com forward slash Bill Windsor, the number one. And it's got a map showing all 50 states. And it says, just released U.S. corruption map. And it says, if your map, if your state is on this map, it's one of the most corrupt states in the country. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> they're, all, they're all bad. Everybody wants to believe theirs is the worst. Well, they're, they're all bad. There is no. Yeah, yeah. I think I think you're right there because I want to I want to claim first place for the People's Republic of Massachusetts, but you're probably <laughs> right. There's some, there's some, but I think they do. Read them. There was just a rating that came out, and Massachusetts just got a D or a, a C minus. I forgot what it was. And it's some think tank that puts this out every couple of years. I forget who they are, but I just saw it so recently. Because, I mean, it is bad there. I mean, I've got, I got so many – got stories that make your head spin. We just don't have enough time to talk about them. You know, just like, a, you, know, um, you know, judge talking behind the scenes with litigants. Um, uh, ridiculous, just ridiculous stuff. I mean, just completely ridiculous stuff. Well, I attended a, a hearing on a man who uh... – is in prison. Uh, he's like 68, 69 years old. He's got another 10 years or so in prison. And uh, it was to try to get a new trial because his, his attorney was completely, I think his attorney's now in prison. But the star witness and the judge were smoking cigarettes and talking out next to the side of the courthouse during the break of his testimony. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, they'll do anything. You know, yeah. They're both through. All right, yeah. well, listen, nice talking to you. And, yeah, you know, what we have to do is get people like you and me and everybody who wants to try to make a change and somehow band together. And right. I don't know how to do it. I tried, you know, to do it. And then we, we I went and sent messages and emails and letters to, to mm-hmm. you know, groups that have a significant number of followers or whatever, and they never responded. You know, so yeah. if somebody's out there battling uh, uh, elder abuse, they yep. think the whole world revolves around elder abuse. Right. And while, yes, they need to fight their battle with elder abuse, the problem is the bigger dishonesty and corruption we have in anything that's related uh, to the legal system. So yep. fine, keep fighting your battle, but lock in with something else. Uh, I put the you know comment on my page, if you got a piece of paper in one hand and a ream of 500 sheets of paper in the other hand, drop the piece of paper. Do you hear it? No. Drop the ream. Do you hear it? Yeah. Yeah, you've got yeah. to try. To, you got to try to get people together. I, I mean, I think I'm too old at this point to try to, to try to be uh, the rallying point for that. So 
you or somebody else yeah. wants to, to pick it up. But well, I think you know, I, yeah, I think I think you're right. I think we you know we're reaching the breaking point. You know, you start looking and these these organizations are grassroots. I'm talking about are popping up out of the woodwork in the last couple of years. I think I think we're finally starting to gain momentum. I'm actually looking on your Facebook page. I noticed Ira Robbins is one of your friends. Do you know him personally? No. Okay, I've spoken to him on the phone a couple of times. He's very intelligent. Him and his father yeah. have like 80-something years of experience in corruption, exposing corruption. He's very good. Let me take that back and say, I say I don't, yeah, I probably have talked to him on the, one of these calls or something else. I should always be careful about saying who's a friend and who isn't because it's hard to yeah. tell. A lot, of, a lot of times I know him by screen names. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. I see Savannah 77 on here. I know who that is. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, like All I right, said, you know, I'm going to go on to I'm going to go on to yeah. somebody else. I'm going to try to do these every Thursday for a while, and I'm going to get this grand jury show scheduled. And uh, glad to make your acquaintance. And uh, yeah, just, those of us with the guts to do it, got to keep battling. There's what a smiley else? face. I'm going to send you an email, Bill. If you want to link our book on your site or something, we I would be happy to talk to you about that. Um, you know, I'm happy to send you an e-copy or something you can take a look at it. But this, this message has got to get out there. In fact, Ron Paul wrote our forward. It's so the message in our book is so powerful. Dr. Ron Paul, the former presidential candidate, wrote our forward. So I'll send you an email. You. All right, great. I'll look forward to it. And I'm now going to go off to somebody else, Tom. Thank you. Have a great I think we have Hawaii up next. Is that me? That's you, Hawaii. Who is this? Is that me? It is you. Oh, okay. Uh, you, you know what? I just ran into, uh, my name is Georgie, and I just ran into an article by, I don't know if he's an attorney or what, but I thought this was very enlightening, and it explained a lot of the problems that we have. And then uh, when I heard this title, it, it reminded me of your title that you have, Lawless America. And it yeah. was actually about that we are not a country of law. We are a country of equity. So when so they were saying like um actually the courts are so they ask the question when you're when you're in a whatever your case is, are you are in a case are you in a court of law or you're in a court of equity? So most of the civil stuff is in a court of equity. Huh. So what it is is like when you hear people like they will say like, Oh well the judge didn't listen to anything or the judge dismissed anything. Nothing was important. Well, because that's what it is. <laughs> Uh, this gentleman explains it, and he said that when you're in a court of equity, you don't have any rights. So the Constitution, all that stuff does not belong. You know what I mean? And they mentioned also that like maybe for the last couple of decades, all like the banks and all the sleazy, you know, uh, slick lawyers got things changed so it was to their benefit. <laughs> so we actually don't operate much in a court of law. And so, you, so they said that actually all the time when you look at your case or your charges, uh, is there law that pertains to that? So they were mentioned like so if you, um, so if you have something like when it comes to like fair trade practices, they have laws for that. So like they talk about a lot of this real estate, like this man that talked about how he all his money stolen when it comes to fiduciary duty. Well, there's no laws to that. So that's why the judge could do anything and everything and whatever and rob you blind. <laughs> that's what he that's what he's saying. So and that makes sense because 
that I hear that from people too because I have this one couple that I actually have the house stolen from them uh, by actually <laughs> if I actually you know like the the judge actually thrown up you know documents that was you know in in the trial cases uh, you know what I mean forge things show things out show them out whatever but see people got to understand also that all the things that happen in a civil in a civil trial it doesn't matter that's why um, it it. It, um, what they're saying is that the court cannot rule upon a criminal matter on a civil matter. So if it's a civil case, even if they, they fraud, even if they stole, whatever they did, that judge cannot rule on a criminal act, you, you know. So it makes sense a lot of things you've seen. They could do all that stuff, and they can get away with it. I mean, but anyway, if anybody's interested, his title was, Are You in a Court of Law or Court of Equity? And then they said, In a Court of Equity, he said, You don't have any right. You're already presumed you're guilty and you have no innocent. And actually, it's a plaintiff that, that, uh, that, that is in favor. So anyway, he does have a number, and it was 800 477 5508. I tried calling it, but it has not worked. But anyway, people might want to check that out and read that article. But that that clarifies things a lot huh, for what you see that's going on. You know what I mean? Well, let me tell you what I think, and this is only my opinion. And uh, and I, you know, but I hear these stories about people saying, "Oh, well, you you should insist on being in an admiralty court, and you should do this, and a court of equity, and a court of whatever." The bottom line is the judges are going to do whatever in the world it is they want to do. I happen to think that our normal system of civil and criminal courts are were set up a certain way to operate a certain way. They have rules, and those are all valid. And I don't think there's anything out there secret somewhere that says, oh, this is actually a court of equity, and you automatically are going to lose. I don't believe that. But if somebody wants to educate me, you know, that. but the things that I've seen so far, I just don't believe that's the case. So I would just encourage people to be cautious with something like that. And, I, you know, there was something else that somebody sent a question in on that I wanted to make. Oh, um, I filmed a lot of people around the country who believe that they have been implanted with chips and have little spaceship things flying over their house and have all kinds of electronic things happening wherever they are and that they're targeted individuals. And I filmed everybody with complete respect. I asked them to bring me evidence. And the only one person showed up with any evidence. And that woman showed up, and her story was that uh, the signature that was signed on various and sundry court documents and things in her life was always the same signature. So she brought several things to show me, and they're all a different signature. So somebody asked what my view was on people who consider themselves to be targeted individuals. And I complete respect to all of you who feel that you are. I, at this point, feel that what you need is a psychiatrist. And I really believe that you've got a problem, an emotional problem, as opposed to a problem with being implanted with well, little metal know, things. Actually, I heard that was what the, what the Rockefeller wanted to do to everybody. <laughs> no, they want a complete control, and how they were going to get complete control was over the money system, you know. And actually, I think that could be very successful because when they when we don't use the dollar anymore and we go through credit card, they have control over all your transactions. So they have control over actually your livelihood and your way of life. 
You know, and it's going to make sense on the bottom line because that's how we function as a civilization. It goes through this money exchange for services. So, I mean, I look at they're making, actually, they make, I see it as actually they're doing very well. And actually, the legal system, also, you could go ahead and, like, I, I talked to another fellow that sue a lot because I guess he wants to be a lawyer. But anyway, he said that you could file, you know, complaints about all the stuff that the judges do wrong with the judicial committee. But that doesn't get, go anywhere neither. It doesn't, I mean, it does, yeah, and I read that it doesn't really go anywhere neither. You just because it'll just sort of cover for each other. What I read, what I read is that you have to actually sue yourself, you know. So, but anyway, the only thing you could sue for is not actually for, uh, you know, um, for the uh, for the for the procedure because they're supposed to have immunity. What you could sue for is actually if they have the, whatever they did when it comes to their ruling is prejudice. It's an emotional thing, and not because they made an error on the law or something like that. You know what I mean? So, I mean, things have gotten very complicated. Love <laughs> the problem also is because the laws are so complicated, you know, and you need the sleazy lawyer to do it. And most pro se people can't do it, so nothing get really, you know, get really done. But what you, I guess what you could do is say you could always complain like what I do to your legislature, and maybe they can come up with laws, you know, to actually. But I was told that was very ineffective, too, because they have laws and all the lawyers manage to, you know, evade and get past it, what they call like loopholes. So, you know, things are complicated, you know. I mean, Mm-hmm. Look at it. You only have so much time to do something when it comes to that because you got to earn a living, and that's their profession. So they're working at it, you know, ten, twelve hours a day all the time. So. Well, listen. Thank you. I'm going to take the next caller, and you thought you brought up a couple things I need to comment on. So let me say that back to the grand jury thing for a minute. Statute of limitations is an important consideration. You don't have a grand jury complaint if what happened to you that was a crime was committed the number of years which puts it outside the statute of limitations. So you have to look up what the statute of limitations is for those crimes in your state. All right, we have DBH SLH 2007. Are you there? Hello. Hello. I wanted to make a little comment on the courts as far as being, you know, courts of law or courts of equity. Um, I don't think they're either, because um, equity would be fairness and impartiality, and uh, we definitely know there is no fairness and impartiality in these courts at all today. Very good um, point. What a lot of people don't understand, you know, uh, somebody's talking about the sovereign citizen movement or whatever they call themselves, and, you know, how they've been demonized and discredited uh, because, you know, they – they miss, it's not that they misinterpret because they know what you're talking about. It's just the people that they're, you know, like the the, the FBI made a deal on the uh, sovereign citizen movement and how said, you know, they did this, that, and the other, and they believe that the federal government is a corporation. Well, in fact, it is, you know, and yet they make statements like that. But it's not that those people are bad. It's just they've been labeled poorly. And as far as the courts go, what these courts are is courts of commerce. They're commercial courts. They're, they're, you know, they're, they're dealing with negotiable instruments, bonds, and things of that nature. It's, it, it's, it's, the court is a bank. 
And when the judge is discharging his duties, that's just what he's doing. He's discharging, supposed to be discharging debt because of the 1933 bankruptcy. We have no money. When they confiscated the gold, they took our ability away, away to pay debt. So, therefore, we have these Federal Reserve notes, which are nothing but IOUs, you know, and um, our, you know, Mike Mahoney makes a really good one on uh, YouTube, uh, the greatest uh, scam of history on mankind or something like that. But Mike Mahoney, if you, if you Google or, or YouTube him, you'll find his videos. And he explains to you how government works and how the banks work. And it's all IOUs. There is no money. There is no substance, as we know, money, constitutional money. It's all credit. It's a credit-based system. And what, another thing I want to point out is 1861. What happened in 1861? The War of the States, right? Some know it as the Civil War. They said it was fought over slavery. But really, it was about states' rights. And the federal government took over not just the southern states, but all the states. And we've been under martial rule ever since. They renew it every two years. And uh, so if you look at the Constitution, well, it was suspended in 1933. Courts of law were closed, and they became commercial courts, negotiable instruments, paying off debt or, or discharging debt. And what these bar members are doing is they're not, and these judges, they're not discharging the debt as we're supposed to be ordering them to do. Instead, they line their pockets with those abandoned funds that we abandon because we don't know how to handle our own affairs. We don't know how to discharge our debt. I know everybody's heard of this AV4 and all this, but, you know, that, that, that stuff's very legitimate, very legitimate. Will they ignore you? Yes. If you keep bugging them, they'll leave you alone. You know, you, you send a copy of whatever document you're sending to a collection agency, a bank, or whoever to the uh, comptroller of currency, and they're going to leave you alone. That's his job, because that's just what it is. It's currency. It's not money. And if we all understand that we live on in a credit-based system, there is no the Constitution has been set. Why do you think these judges get away with what they're doing? Because they know nobody's going to hold them up. The Lieber Code. Check out Lieber Code General Orders 100. That's their charter. That's United States Inc. Charter. And, and if you read those articles, you'll realize that you own nothing. You don't own your house. You don't own your car. If you register it, you don't own it. If you do, quit paying property taxes, let's see how quick you can say you own your house. Does that make sense? I hear what you're saying. <laughs> it, it's all about taxation, and that's what, we're, that's what they're doing when they bring us into these courts. They're taxing our citizens. You've heard about the all capital letters name. That's your citizen. You, you see it on your bank card, your driver's license. You see it, it, it in your utility bills. Why is that? You don't put your name like that. Well, that's because that's your transmitting utility used in commerce that was created via the 14th Amendment and your uh, 1933 bankruptcy when they confiscated all the gold. That's where you folks need to be start looking is what, what's really going on behind the scenes. And I heard Bill talk about it, the money. Well, you, you're damn right, the money. That's what it's all about, the money. 
okay? And they're getting rich while they make us poor. And they're doing it because they work for the conquering army that took over the whole United States back in 1865 when the war was over. And if you, and if you look at the... You know, that's a, it's just some serious thought that everybody listening should should put some thought into it and research it because that's what's going on. That's what's going on because you start... And, and remember, when, when these funds aren't claimed by you as they should be and discharged to the treasury, they take those, they call them abandoned funds, and they acquire them tax-free. Now, I know that may sound a little crazy, but we've been doing, I'm, I'm from Nebraska, and we've been doing a lot of research and a lot of testing out of the courts. But when it comes to the Uniform Commercial Code, they they tend to, you know, turn the other cheek. They don't want to hear nothing about it, or the Lieber Code. But you keep using their rules, their statutes, their code, you're playing in their field. You get out of their field and and start looking at the common law. I know we, we heard mention National Liberty Alliance and the, and the grand jury, the common law grand jury. I, I'm not, I don't believe so much in that, but if you look at your state statutes, you'll find uh, things on the common law. The courts are, you know, your state courts are common law courts, period. The 1938 uh, Thompson versus uh, Erie, I think, railroad, when uh, they say that all cases prior to 1938 they will ignore because that was when the federal government ruled that there is no federal common law, which may be true, but there's always a state common law. And that's what people don't understand. They, we don't know who we are in relation to the government. Now, if anybody likes watching videos on YouTube, listen to a guy named Bill Faust, F-O-U-S-T. And Bill was uh, out of Arizona. And he was doing a lot of teaching to a lot of people, and he, people were winning their cases. And uh, they executed him at, at his business, at his marina, um, right in front of his wife. And she's got like a $6 million wrongful death suit against him because of it. But listen to some of Bill's videos and um, the Act of 1871. Uh, a really good one is um, uh, the Secretary of State. God, I can't remember the exact thing. But he'll he'll explain to you in that video your relationship to government your relationship to the United States, if you've ever been on PACER and you look up the courts, you have United States Dixit Courts, but you have three courts that are considered national courts. Now, why, you know, we're in the nation of America, right? Why aren't all of those national courts? Well, because they're corporate courts. Those three national courts are national courts where you can bring claims that are, you know, based on your, quote, constitutional, I call them general law rights, but um, those courts are Article Three courts. All your United States District Courts are Article One, congressionally legislated, created courts, every one of them. And in, in your juvenile courts, same thing. Your county court, 
you know, that's almost your that's supposed to be your court of record in all the courts, if anybody understands a court of record. Um, but they all claim to be courts of record. And if you ask the judge, are you a court of record? Yeah, we keep a record here. We record things. Well, that's not <laughs> what a court of record is, okay? Court of record is, is, is uh, according to the rules of common law. And if you don't understand the lingo and you don't understand who you are, okay, you're you're never going to get anywhere in these courts. And I'm I'm telling you, we're we're trying to come with who we are. And Nebraska's bad. I know we, we you know everybody says all their states are bad, but you know Nebraska pretty much ignores everything. You know, and then now we're going to have to try to go into the federal district and see if we can get any relief there. I doubt it. You know, I I uh, uh, sent Bill a message about you know bringing a RICO. You know, and and RICO is. Um, Ideal because it, it, it handles civil and criminal, you know, and these people can be judges, lawyers can be held liable under RICO. They can't under civil, and and good luck get them on under the criminal code, you know. But RICO was constructed specifically for this purpose of yeah. I mean, our courts are a criminal racketeering operation. This is uh, this is what RICO was supposed to be for: mafia and the courts, who are just a different form of mafia. Yeah, I mean, and and you know, it's 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 not an easy task. Rico's pretty complicated. Some some states are doing it. You know, some people in some you know California and some other states are are you know, taking on these uh, cases uh, either pro se or um, uh, you know, likely not a bar attorney because a bar attorney wouldn't th- even think of coming after his fellow bar members without being worried about being disbarred. That's right. Stunned. So it, you almost have to do it as someone that isn't um, part of the bar. Uh, I'm pro se in Nebraska, and I get a document uh, from my ex-wife's lawyer because I'm going through you know a battle with my daughter and um, – they actually had in parentheses that I have a bar number. I'm bar number two. Mm-hmm. I'm not lying. I could I could I could post it on my Facebook. It says pro se bar in parentheses bar number two. Then it says my ex wife pro se, even though she has an attorney and I don't, she's bar number two too. So a pro se litigant has a bar number. So mm-hmm. you know. That's kind of the realm they put you in. <laughs> but I well, heard... I've got a bunch more questions that people have emailed in. Okay. So thank you for that. And, uh, yeah, Rico, if you haven't looked at the articles I've written about Rico on uh, lawlessamerica.com, do. You have both civil and criminal. Let me just say real quick to folks that uh, some states have a, a Rico, a civil Rico uh, a statute and some don't. So don't go... I'll think you're going to pursue RICO if your state doesn't have it. Uh, all right. Anybody else out there while I'm answering some of these questions, if you want to talk, raise your hand. Um, how can I do better in my screw job from CPS, Child Protective Services? Well, uh, Child Protective Services is a nightmare nationwide, as everybody knows, uh, because a lot of those articles when a child gets murdered or 
beaten almost to death by their father, as I posted one article about today. Uh, those are the kinds of things the mainstream media will eat up because it's uh, it's not about judges and stuff. They don't mind promoting things, I don't believe, that happen with child protective services necessarily. But it's a horrible system, and um, you just you, you just have to know what I have experienced or uh, drawn from. I probably filmed 500 cases that involved child protective services, and I came to the conclusion that the reason that um, people were prevailing in the divorce court, family court, was that they went out and hired the lawyer that had the connections with the judge. So how can you fare better in your situation with CPS? Well, if it's involving something in a court, I tell people my best advice is go to the largest law firm in town where the court's located and ask to hire them, but only if they have a connection with the judge that will ensure that you'll win. Now, some people think that doesn't sound very fair. Well, the whole child protective services and court situation is not very fair. If there's a somebody that's got the connections, well, I'd like them to be working for me. But it doesn't appear to be against any laws because it's happening everywhere and people are getting screwed as a result. Um, you can publicize what your story is with CPS. Make sure you're right. I wouldn't go out there trying to publicize that you know, CPS has screwed you or the judges screwed you when they haven't. I'd be very careful in that arena because you might find it turned on you in a heartbeat. I certainly found that with several of the people I filmed with the movie who were just lying there asses off and I found out that they were and then, uh, you know, the tables were turned on them really fast. I told everybody who was filmed, tell me the truth. I'm going to believe what you're telling me is the truth, but if we look at including you in the movie, we're going to go to the other side and give them the opportunity to tell their story. And uh, there was one story that was so compelling in particular that we went to the other side and there was just proof galore that the woman was was making up her story to try to get publicity, to try to have some power against her ex who properly had uh, custody, et cetera. So, but if, if you want to do best, you hire the, the lawyer that's got the connections. And I wouldn't be shy about asking about that. Uh, can we publicize stories? Sure we can. And, you know, lawlessamerica.com is very highly regarded by Google and Yahoo. So our stories that we do come up really high in search results. So if people will just write stories so that I don't have to spend a lot of time on them, I probably said this on 100 shows, we'll po post them out there and you'll get, you'll get publicity. Uh, if I run a story on lawlessamerica.com and the name of your correct judge is in that article six, seven, eight, 15, 50 times, then when someone does a search for that judge within a few days, the chances are your article is going to come up first. So one of the ways that we can successfully battle against the corruption is with publicity, and that's with the Internet. And uh, it's not with the mainstream media. It's with us using what we can get, which is a website like allsamerica.com and others that get picked up by the search engines, and, and telling the stories and putting the names out there of, uh, of the wrongdoers. Uh, let me just, 
while I'm uh, saying that, I'm going to search for a name here to make sure I don't embarrass myself uh, because I haven't done anything on this in a while. Well, all right, here's an example for you. Winston Frost. Do a search on Yahoo for Winston Frost. WinstonFrost.com comes up number one. Well, Winston Frost is a, a guy who I think is, in my opinion, probably one of the biggest liars that ever hit a courtroom. And uh, you'll find other, you know, there's an article in about uh, the LA Times about him being uh, a plagiarist and all kinds of other things, but that is number one. So it could just be an article written in lawlessamerica.com, but if you do want to expose the people that uh, you feel are, are corrupt, well, register a, um, their domain name. It costs you 10, 12 bucks a year, but get winstonfrost.com or bettysmithwiggins.com, and uh, then you write articles and put them on there. And when it has the person's name in the URL, it will almost always come up first on the search engine results. So you want to be at, every time somebody searches for that lawyer or for that judge, um, let them let them read about what you have to say coming up first on the search results. Very small price to pay. How much money have you spent? How much have you lost? Well, spend a little bit of money. Get you a, a inexpensive web hosting. Uh, you can even do I think for free if you do a blog spot. Though I like blog spots will not come up as high as a regular uh, uh, URL like WinstonFrost.com, but uh, Put it out there, and you'll be amazed. And then uh, you send me a link to it, and I'll link it off of Lawless America, and we're off to the races. So I would love to tell you that I have time to write articles for people. I don't. If there are people who would like to help folks who don't consider themselves to be writers, uh, you know, email me, Bill, at BillWindsor.com, and we'll try to hook you up with some folks. You can help them you know, write or massage what they have into an article. But I think most of us can... You know, I ought to be able to write well enough. If you're dealing with legal stuff, you better be able to write well enough to write just a, it doesn't have to be war and peace, uh, a story. Three-minute version of what's happened to you. You know, write, write five or six pages, double-spaced. And uh, let's turn that into an article. Put a picture of you, a JPEG, you know. And if you, people will send me something, as a couple of people have this week, of uh, their story well-written enough that I can just copy and paste it, then after the show's over this week, I'll be copying and pasting some of these articles, and they'll be out there. They'll be at the top of the search engines. The people that they're naming will be exposed, and uh, that accomplishes something. So in terms of what can I accomplish, well, there's something you can accomplish. Promote this stuff out there, and uh, what you'll find, like I have been contacted by, I don't know, say at least a dozen people, who are also victims in Ellis County, Texas, as I am, probably twice that many in Montana, where I'm also a victim. So uh, those are things you can do. Publicize, and if we could possibly ever get all the people that are trying to fight all this stuff to work together, uh, we would have a lot more to work with. If you go to lawlessamerica.com, uh, to the homepage, and page all the way down to the bottom of the page in the black. 
Those were all sites either that are my own, uh, exposing people, or people who agreed to be like affiliates or whatever, who said that in exchange for me putting a link to their site on the bottom of my page, they would do the same on the bottom of their home page. And if people do that on home pages, uh, the results uh, can be very, very effective. It will do a whole lot more for other people than it will, uh, will for me, uh, because I already come up way high. Uh, but it, it can help everybody else. And if we can get more and more people together, the better off we'll all be. Um, what can I do to help myself? Well, that was a question. I can't remember what else was brought with it. Um, but I would say one of the thing, other things that everybody can do for themselves is organize your information. Most people's information is horribly organized. And I, a month or two ago, went and helped a lady um, and her information, she has ADD and various other things, I think. And her information was all, every, there was not a single piece of paper she had that wasn't hopelessly dog-eared and curled and in boxes and you name it and kept finding stuff forever. The thing to do is to get your documents scanned and organized in your computer. And the way I do everything is I do, uh, I'm going to copy and paste the way I name my files. Um, just a second, I'm copying one. I do everything the same way. And I do it with the case number, the date, and then the name of whatever it is uh, document. So here I'm putting one in. The advantage to this with putting the hyphens between each of the words is it just keeps it from getting screwed up if you use it as a link uh, in certain cases online. Uh, by putting the case number first makes it easy for you to sort by all of one case number. And then by having the date, it gives you a chronological history of everything that you have in your case. It's easiest for me to think of, uh, of things chronologically. So I have all those in a folder. I just click the sort by that folder, and then bingo, I can find what I need to find. You know, if you're not using Windows Explorer's search feature to search for things that you have in your, your directory system, that's invaluable. But if you consistently name everything, it's going to be easy for you to find it and easy for you to, uh, uh, to then file it whenever you need to file it. I've gotten to where I file when there's a significant number of documents, burn it to a, a CD and uh, file an affidavit and then attach the CD with identifying the various exhibit numbers in there. Um, and then they can be referenced off the CD, and it's, it's never been denied uh, by any of multiple courts uh, that I've done that in. A uh, couple more questions here I have that have come in. If anybody else wants to talk, we've only got a few minutes left. Press star eight. I don't want to be taking all the time. Um, have I committed all those crimes that I read about online? No, I haven't ever committed a crime other than uh, uh, driving over the speed limit. And I dare not do that. Um, because if I uh, if I commit any if I speed between now and January eighth, I go back to jail in Montana. So you better believe it. I'm not interested in speeding. Uh, so no, I've never I've been accused of what um, 
pedophile, pedophile lover, committing every imaginable crime, having a plan to kill every government official in America. Uh, I was called by the FBI uh, because they were told that I was a sovereign citizen with a plan to kill every government official in America. I said, well, for starters, I'm not a sovereign citizen, and who in the right mind would have a plan to kill anybody, much less every government official in America? I said, I can tell you who, who gave you that complaint. Sean D. Fleming of Michigan. Bingo. You know, he's one of the cyber stalkers. This guy will go out there and say anything and everything. He is about as uh, a miserable an excuse for a human being as you're ever going to run into. Sean, S-E-A-N-D, Fleming, F-L-E-M-I-N-G. Um, may I get word copies of your court filings? Absolutely. If you look on lawlessamerica.com, you'll find in a lot of cases I have attached word files so that it would make it easy for people who wanted to say some keystrokes in filing a RICO action or whatever else it may be to just copy it, paste it into a word file on uh, on your computer, and then edit it to, you know, to be appropriate to, to your case. There's all kinds of case law and everything else that would be helpful to people, plus a format that you may or may not like. If you don't like the format, change it to something else. But uh, I will try to put any more out there. Um, I'll try to put more out there to benefit people. Several people have written me about a few things lately, and I've just emailed them to them. Uh, what I should do when that comes up is just pop into uh, my computer program and post them on lawlessamerica.com. Um, lawlessamerica.com was not operable, though you could see the articles and everything on it for about three months because these cyber stalkers hacked into it and took control of the site where I could no longer log in to post articles or edit them. But we hired somebody in a foreign land who worked magic and finally got me back in. So I've been uh, uh, I've been posting them. So we have a state-paid cyber stalker on here now. I guess we'll we'll get rid of them. State-paid cyber stalker wants to know why I'm so fat. I guess that's because I sit in front of a computer trying to help people and don't get much exercise. Why are you such an asshole? No, oh, you're blocked. You can't answer. All right, anybody else? Star 8? Anybody else want to talk? Let me know. Anyway, if not, we'll uh, I'll be here next Thursday. I will say I'm very disappointed with the number of people who participated tonight because I sent out 450 emails to folks asking for help, and obviously they they didn't show up. So, yeah, I think everybody wants the help one-on-one. I just don't have the ability, the time, you know, or certainly not the funding to do it. It's just me. I'm happy to try to help people, but, uh, you know, I, I can't. I can't not devote time into going after a state-paid cyber stalker whose name is probably Sean, who probably lives in Montana. And, uh, you know, I've got to go after that guy for the rest of my life with everything that I've got. You know, I'm I'm committed to bringing the people that uh, have wronged me to justice one way or the other. And I will continue to fight that battle until I croak. Unfortunately, right now, I am having some medical problems, and um, they just don't seem to be going away. So I've been undergoing a series of 
inquiries by Mayo Clinic that would choke a horse. And I don't really know whether Mayo Clinic's going to accept me or not. Everything I've, I've done two days of intensive question and answer and gather data from other doctors and everything else for them to decide whether or not they're going to take me. But uh, we'll see. Uh, if, if they don't, I'll just go off, uh, I'll go off somewhere else. But I do continue to have medical problems, which makes it, uh, makes it tough. Uh, all right, folks, this is Bill Windsor, Lawless America. Lawlessamerica.com is, uh, is the website. If you aren't a friend of mine on uh, Facebook, I'm happy to make people friends as long as they have other people who are my friends. Uh, I've got six, 700 people that include women who all look like they just stepped out of Playboy asking to be my friends, and they all seem to be from places that, where you would think that I would want to pick them as a friend. So those are all undoubtedly the work of cyberstalkers uh, trying to um, uh, get access to my information. So anyway, did I come to Grand Rapids and fight any judges? So yeah, if that's in if that's in Michigan, yes. Grand Rapids isn't that where I confronted the CPS judge? I'm pretty sure. Uh, I you know it's been a few years ago now. I can't really remember. One last thought uh, relative to the movie. Um, we're try I'm trying to find uh, somebody to take the movie and complete it. I'm also, in my spare time, trying to find uh, if we can't get a grant or something to finish the movie. All of the motion picture equipment was stolen, so right now I can't even, uh, I, I can't film hardly anything. I do have one still camera that has video capability, Plus, I have a cell phone that I guess has video capability, though I've never used it. Um, so I can't really, I can't really do it. So we shall see. As soon as I win a hundred million dollars from all the Joey's the Little Kid crooks, then I'll be able to do wonderful things relative to movies. Let's just hope that uh, I'm not so old that I can no longer see. Uh, yeah, people that I that I came to fight in Grand Rapids included Judge Gardner. What's the other guy's name? There's one guy who I confronted personally. I wrote a note to Judge Gardner, invited her down to be filmed. Uh, she didn't come. But she is a horrible judge. This judge, as I recall, um, Judge Patricia Gardner in Grand Rapids, Michigan. When I was there filming at a television studio in Grand Rapids, she had taken away the... Um, parental rights of something like 41 women taken away, the, not cust, just custody, uh, taken away their parental rights. I want you to notice Windsor is a coward, has just logged into the chat. This is a guy who lives in Stevensville, Montana, and uh, his name is Sean, and I'm not allowed to publish or say his last name until about January 8th. This guy's amazing. We've got the new capabilities here relative to TalkShoe that pinpoints us right to right to his little old house. What a what a what a dummy. Anyway, folks, thanks for listening in. I hope you were able to get some questions answered that might be of some help. If not, email me questions, Bill at BillWindsor.com, and uh, I will add them to the list to discuss next week. All right. Thanks everybody. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. 
Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.